0: From the NFL, we know the Browns have talent, but I'm not sold on this rookie head
1: coach. To the NBA,
0: Kawhi Leonard has added his name as one of the best players
1: in basketball. Across the landscape of college football, the Pac-12 got how many
0: teams in the top 25? And so much more. Watson needs a Dana White. It has too many chefs in the kitchen. The stories you want. The Zeke Elliott holdout could be coming to a close.
1: The opinions you need.
0: LeBron is coming back with revenge on his mind. The king is back. It's Jay Wise. I keep
2: telling y'all my last name is no joke.
1: And Nathan Drinkard. If they don't win this game, it's a wrap. Stick a fork in them. They're done. This is A Drink of Wisdom. Welcome to A Drink Good. of Wisdom. With Jay Wise and Nathan Drinkard, I'm your host, Cody Ward. Thanks for spending some of your time with us tonight. What's up, fellas?
0: What's up, brother? What's up, Cody, my guy? Let's get into it
1: today. What we got? Oh, man, I'm so glad you asked. In episode 18, the Lakers are streaking. College basketball season has arrived, and we react to the first college football playoff rankings of 2019. However, we begin in the NFL, where all teams have reached their halfway point in the regular season. And on that note, it's time to dish out some uh, midseason awards. So, Jay, we'll start with you. Who is your 2019 NFL MVP so far?
2: First of all, I think this season in the NFL –
1: It's not a a walk away
2: like it was – or a runaway like it was last year with the young stud, Patrick Mahomes, just blowing everybody's socks and shoes off with his outstanding performance last year. And then we got to consider he may have been on his way to another – to a second straight MVP award, but suffers – got a little banged up this year with an ankle, with a kneecap, so we'll see how he comes back from that. But at this moment in time – I'm going to go with a guy that I think has been overlooked for many, many years now. And I think it's time for us to show him some love. I'm going with Russell Wilson, quarterback of Seattle Seahawks. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's a run. I don't think it's a runaway. I think at this stage in the game, there's still a lot of football to be played, but at the mid season, I think he's got a slight edge over some competitors that maybe, uh, maybe one of you two guys will get into But listen. it's It's hard to ignore 22 touchdowns to one interception. That's just, that's just beyond impressive. That's that's Aaron, that's Aaron Rodgers type stuff when he's just making all the throws you can imagine, while at the same time being able to protect the football. It's incredible when you have that type of touchdown interception ratio. You also take into consideration he's on pace for right around 5,000 yards. He's got the best QBR in football right now, as well as the best quarterback rating. And I just look at some of the pieces around him. I look at the Seahawks defense. This is no longer a Legion of Boom situation. They don't have any of those guys anymore. Really the only guy that you can look to that was on that Super Bowl defense is would be Bobby Wagner. He's still in there anchoring the middle of that defense. But that defense is not all that impressive these days. They're 22nd in points allowed. They're 25th in yards allowed. And then I And then I look at some of the weapons that they've surrounded Russell Wilson with. I think there's some good stuff on that offense. I like some of these guys. I thought Tyler Lockett would have a big year coming in, and uh, he's proving me right. He's having a really nice year. Uh, DK Metcalf, we've seen we've seen him take some strides recently, and uh, so they got a good they got a good duo out there at the wide receiver position. And then Chris Carson, he's running the football effectively for you. And then the offensive line, I think it's a little bit better than it has been in years past. But uh, but by no stretch am I saying these guys are elite. And even those weapons that I just mentioned, to you there's nobody out there that you really that really just jumps jumps off the screen at you and say, oh, that guy. That guy's a difference maker. So I just I just take all those things in consideration. And that's why I'm going with Russell Wilson at this stage of the game.
0: Look, man, <clears throat> it's about doggone time they put some respect, and that's with a K, on my boy's name. All right? Russell Wilson been out here doing this thing for a real long time. And let me, let me put in a retrospect what I mean. First of all, let me say, Jay, I don't want to sit here and agree with you because that makes the, the show a little lackluster. But God doggin', when they put some respect on my boy Russell, what's the name? I got to tell the truth. I just got to do what I got to do. And here's the deal. I got. So what I wanted to bring up was, look, I hear a lot of these quarterbacks complaining because they ain't got offensive lines. Oh, the offensive line ain't what it used to be, so you know they kind of let them get beat up. Let me tell you something about Russell Wilson, my man down in Seattle, with the rain coming. He ain't had – I can't even remember the last time he had an offensive line. I think the offensive line left with Marshawn Lynch, and it ain't been right since, all right? He finally got a remnant of an offensive line, and I can't even say that it's all that spectacular. I'm just saying it's better than what he had, you know? So if you live on the street, but you get some – Government assistant house is better than what you had. I ain't saying it's the best, but at least you ain't on the street. So now he gets him a little line, right? And people want to say, well, he's learning all that bad this year. So I don't see the problem. Do you understand what this guy had to go through? Do you understand what that left tackle position looked like so awful until they got Dwayne Brown in the trade? Like, let's be honest here. This guy deserved he deserved MVP years ago but he couldn't get it because he was too busy trying to save his own life. Now he got a chance to get the award. He's playing. You said the stats. No need for me to repeat them. The man is balling. Get him the award. That's all I really got to say about that. No need to be in a dead horse. What you got, Cody? What you got?
1: I'm going to go with somebody different, and uh, I I will agree. If you had to put a gun to my head, I would probably take Wilson if I had to, but there's another guy I think is really – Really close, if not a little better in some aspects. I'm going to go with Deshaun Watson, the quarterback, of course, for the Houston Texans. Uh, Stat-wise, he's right there with Russell Wilson. He's completing a little bit more of his passes at 70% clip, uh, 2% higher, but right there, about the same. 2,400 yards, right about where Wilson is. Uh, he's 18-5 to 5 in the touchdowns and interception. Not nearly as impressive as 22-1, to 1, but he's had some issues with his receivers holding on to the ball. Um, his QBRs and all that, th- that stuff's pretty close. Yeah. Um, what I would say about Deshaun Watson is just now in his third season, this man has really become the identity of the Houston Texans in uh, more ways than one. This man is not only on the field doing it, but he's also off the field. He's become the face of the franchise, which is what you expect from your, your you know quarterback to do that. Uh, but, I would argue that just now in his third season, he's really kind of ahead of schedule in some of those ways. It's something most guys don't ever pick up. And if they do, it's not till later, but, uh, Deshaun Watson's getting a little bit more help from his offensive line this year. Uh, he's under pressure a little less, but, he still runs for his life a lot, and uh, he is able, just like Wilson, is to make a lot of plays with his legs. Of course, there was the infamous thing last week with the Raiders where uh, he took a cleat to the eye and made sure his eye was still attached and then just casually throws the game-winning touchdown like it's no big deal. That man has got that charisma, and I believe as far as a most valuable player to a team, he, to me, he might be the guy. Uh, you know, he's had less to work with this year. DeAndre Hopkins isn't having as good of a year you know, uh, guys like Will Fuller, Kenny Stills, and Kiki Cutie have all missed time with various injuries. Uh, He's been having to go to some second and third string dudes to get it done. And the last thing I would argue is uh, Texans versus Seahawks as far as organizational standpoint goes. I have to think that the Texans might not be as quite as well run as the Seahawks. You know, the Seahawks have drafted better in recent years. I believe Pete Carroll's a better coach than Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien has not proven he can do a lot with quarterbacks. So I think Wilson or uh Watson is bucking that trend a little bit in that regard. Um, so I think if you took Watson out of the Texans, it might be a little more impactful than Wilson out of the Seahawks. But again, these guys are really close. Uh, either one of them would deserve it, in, in my opinion. But I think Watson is right there with him. So. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I I
0: can't I can't argue with Deshaun Watson whatsoever. If I, it wasn't for my love and passion for Russell Wilson and the fact that I seen him get abused year after year after year and get overlooked for the award. I would say Deshaun Watson, but I just say it's some time. The time has come, people. It has come. Get a man where he deserves. Get him his, his slice of the pie. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I,
2: I no big issue with what Cody just laid out for him. I think if, if, if Russell Wilson – wasn't in the league right now or what, whatever, what have you, I think the award would, would, would go to Deshaun Watson. I just think touchdown interception ratio is just, it, it's just one of those things you look at and it just, it, it practically punches you in the face and says, hello, I'm here. And it's it's just hard to ignore. And also it's, and it's look, again, it's, it's a slight edge. Russell Wilson had this Deshaun Watson keeps going at this rate. If Russell Wilson falls off a little bit, it could be a flip of the coin uh, in my estimation uh, I also really like your point about the Seahawks from an organizational standpoint. I think Russell Wilson does have a little bit of an edge there, even though they neglect to give the man an offensive line for years now. Uh, I, I'm of the opinion that they don't even they don't give too much of a a rip about the offensive line because they just think that Russell Wilson is going to escape exactly. pressure for ye- forever. Exactly. Uh, one, yeah, one more right. note for Russell Wilson that I think really shows how great of a player he is. He just got paid, and we see guys from time to time get the check and not and just fall off, not perform to the same level because they got the money now. Okay. Russell Wilson, bucking that trim, he's playing even better than he had. He's having his best season yet in my estimation.
1: Yep. So, Yeah, exactly. These guys are really close, so – Let's, uh, let's go ahead and move on. Let's talk about Offensive Player of the Year, keeping on that offense trend. Drink, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, who's your Offensive Player of the Year right now?
0: Probably the most electrifying player in the NFL right now, Lamar Jackson, man. Let's be real here. Um, his numbers don't wow you. 64% completion rate. Uh, he's thrown for eighteen hundred thirteen 13 yards. That's that's good for twenty up in the NFL. 12 touchdowns at 17. Five interceptions, <clears throat> and a passer rating of basically 70% QBR. Uh he that gives them feel. The the numbers, okay, whatever. What here's what what I like about Lamar Jackson. Numbers are what they are. This guy's electrifying. He get out there on that field. He kind of give you what Patrick Mahomes gave us last year. He's giving it to us this year. Patrick Mahomes gave it to us more with his arms. He's giving it to us with his legs. When you seen him, I mean, he'd have done this in every game. But let's be serious here. That game with the Patriots was probably the biggest game because it, one, it's the Patriots, it's the defending champs. Two, it was a primetime game, so we wanted to see what he do with that that slot um, on Sunday Night Football. And he was fa- he was fantastic, fantastic. All right, he gave him he gave them what we like to call out here in the streets the business. That's what he gave him with his legs. Every run play he ran that night, pretty unstoppable. And he showed how slow that Patriot defense can be from time to time. That was one thing, like, it seemed as a bunch of teams could not really gather or comprehend how to get around that Patriot defense. Granted, schedule was was what it was. However, hey, the Ravens, hey, and the tight end even said it. That's the crazy thing. The tight end came in there talking that smack about his quarterback saying they ain't seen nothing nothing on, you know, on their schedule like us. We about to give them that business. And that's what my boy, Lamar Jackson did. He came in there and gave them that business. Um, but all in all, hey, Baltimore wouldn't be where they are without Lamar Jackson. That just, when you look, when you look at the Ravens play, like you don't put no numbers. I know we need numbers because numbers tell us you know what to look for, but if you didn't put no numbers and you just watch these quarterbacks systematically do their thing, Russell Wilson looks different from the rest of the uh, rest of the quarterbacks with what he's doing. That's why you would notice he'll be in that. Deshaun Watson looks different. When when I look at the offense player of the year, hey, Lamar Jackson just looks different. He just look when you see him get on that field, that offense looks it looks a lot more explosive than it should. I can tell you that right now. Marquise Brown, and Willis Snead, and your three tight end. Look, if you, if you watch that offense on paper, you wouldn't think it's as, as explosive as it is. But with Lamar Jackson going back there, Mark Ingram looked like a world beater. I'm just saying, from what everything I've seen thus far, Lamar Jackson should be the offense player of the year.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit different route on this one. I'm going to go Christian McCaffrey, running back of the Carolina Panthers. This guy's averaging 150 yards from scrimmage. He 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 is the Panthers' offense on the ground and through the air. When I look at this guy and what he's able been able to accomplish this year, without the services of Cam Newton, they've had Kyle Allen in there doing his thing. You and you make a compelling case for Lamar Jackson. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue with that too much. I think Lamar Jackson does have a strong pace. He's been mighty impressive. Uh, what I would say to that is Lamar Jackson. He's got the ball in his hands every single play. I look at what Christian McCaffrey does. He doesn't start. He doesn't start to play with the, uh, every play with the ball. But more often than not, the Panthers run their offense through him. Just about everything they do is courtesy of Christian McCaffrey. He's already found the end zone 13 times this year. He's second in the league in rushing yards at this point, just a hair behind Dalvin Cook. He's got 42 catches already on the season. Just just doing a tremendous job out there with uh, with Kyle Allen quarterbacking, and, and he is he is the reason the Carolina Panthers are in the thick of the wild card race in the NFC. So, got you on Lamar Jackson. He's having a fantastic year, and I would have no problem with him winning this award at this stage. I'm just going Christian McCaffrey at this point.
1: Yeah, and we'll move on along here. Uh, I uh, once again, I do think Lamar Jackson, that's also my pick. Uh, and like uh, Drink mentioned, I think the biggest thing that that puts me over the edge for Lamar Jackson is the fact that this Bravens offense just on paper. Man, you look at him, you're like, who are half these dudes? I mean, they have got some retreads and some dudes that are probably over the hill. I mean, you got dudes, you know, rookies like Marquise Brown out there. And Lamar Jackson has taken all this and he has put it together and is quite literally dragging not i'm really say he's carrying the team because they're not that bad but he's really coalesced that team into something more than just some random dudes running around and uh for a guy that was supposed to be a running back it's it's really impressive but watched him play a lot of college i'm i'm actually really not surprised he's as good as he turned out to be uh let's move on to defensive player of the year and we'll get back to you jay on this one so uh defensive player of the year who you got
2: uh, it's a tough one there's a lot of a lot of good candidates i believe but I originally, I'm going to tell you you full disclosure, I was going with Devin McCourty, safety of the New England Patriots, before I actually pulled up what the Patriots have been doing as a whole. And, man, Jamie Collins, (laughs) the retread who played for the Patriots, what, four or five years ago for a stretch, then ended up with the Cleveland Browns. We didn't know what he was doing over there for years. He's back with the Patriots and better than ever. He's got six sacks and three interceptions this season. He's the only player in the league right now with four or more sacks and three or more interceptions. It's just remarkable what this guy is doing at the age of 30. Uh, The Patriot defense before the Ravens game, they were, in my estimation, the best defense in football. I give them a slight edge over the San Francisco 49ers, even though they've been awfully impressive as well. I just look at what Jamie Collins has been able to do for this second-ranked defense. He leads them in tackles. He can do it all. He can get after the quarterback. Can play the run. He's great in coverage. He can do so many things. So, such a versatile piece to Bill Belichick's defense. Going with
0: Jamie Collins. Oh, Jamie Collins. So I, I'm gonna tell you, man. This this question was a was a toughie. I'm I'm not gonna lie. It it took me a while to narrow it down. Then I I just thought to myself. I said, man, it gotta be somebody that just change the fortunes of a team as soon as that. So I thought, I thought, and I said, Mika Fitzpatrick, why not? Why couldn't he be the defense player of the year? Let's be real here. My guy was down there in Miami, soaking his sorrows in L's, because that's all he was getting. He was getting the L's left and right, wherever you want them. You, get, you can get them. You can get them on ice, or you can get them hot. It just depends on how you want them. Um, and then, fortunately, He asked for a trade, and they they obliged, and they got him over to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we know the story of the Pittsburgh Steelers before he got there. Let's be real. They was a laughing stock. I think if the defense was playing as good as it is now, when Big Ben was playing, maybe his old butt don't get hurt because he probably figured out a way to stay on the field. But Ben said, this is bull crap. I'm out of here. I'm going to holler at you boys. Hey, go ahead and get you some of these young snaps, young rook over there. Come holler at your boy. So Mason Rudolph comes in he benefits, but let's be real here. The Steelers have been um, very, very sturdy on defense since Mika Fitzpatrick. Gone. Now, that I, I know it's other reasons, but before you jump down my throat and be like, hey, it was just him. But I can say I can give him a good amount of that credit because he started being a ball hawk, which I don't know. This defense as a whole just started playing better. I don't know if that was the the missing ingredient. I thought they was a lot worse than that. However, there's neither here nor there. It works for him. He turned them into a form defense. And as a team, I was um I know we we're gonna get into coaches of the year, but as a team, you know, Pittsburgh not they're not looking like the, the Dolphins, they could look like the Dolphins. And they will have a excuse to look like the Dolphins, but they're not. They're, they're being competitive. They're in the middle of the pack. And, you know, I, I got to contribute that to Migos Fitzpatrick. And if he stays on course of what he's been doing thus far, I think he should have a legitimate claim at player of the year.
1: Yep. So I'm going to go a little bit outside the box, my defensive player of the year. And I'm going to go with Shaq Barrett, uh, the outside linebacker slash defensive end from Tampa Bay. Uh, this guy has been a ferocious pass rusher for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Ten and a half sacks, four forced fumbles and an interception as far as his overall statistics go. He's also near the top of the team in, in uh, tackles. And uh, if you watch them play, man, he is one of the few bright spots in that defense. They He is really floating a pretty sorry defense, especially as far as the pass rushers go. They don't have a lot. Uh, JPP just came back, but he hadn't really been been back in the mix very long yet so he's he's out there when you talk about guys like Nick Bosa or someone uh you know you're like oh well he's been really good but yeah but he plays with four of their first round picks and he's got all these help around him and his team is playing with the lead and they're able to pin their ears back Tampa Bay don't play with the lead hardly ever I mean unless they're playing the Rams I guess but uh and not only that but this this defense is getting put in horrible positions because Jameis Winston throws picks like you were throwing up uh, those little balls in your Christmas tree, man, he's just, he's still doing it and they get put behind in a lot of games. So I think a lot of times we see great defenses. They have offenses that can at least keep them in good positions. Tampa Bay don't have that. So when you look at their numbers, you go, well, why is anyone from Tampa Bay getting defensive player of the year considerations? But Shaq Barrett is really standing out on a team that does not have a lot of help around him. Uh, you watch him play; he's just flying around. He, he's not only just a pass rusher; you know, he can get out. He's got enough speed to get out there and cover sometimes. And uh, I think he's the only reason that defense ain't absolutely dead last in every single category. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So guys, let's go ahead and move on to uh, coach of the year. Uh, we'll get back to you on this one. Drink. Who do you got for your coach of the year?
0: All right, so, you know, Coach of the Year, I'm going to go up to that briskly, lonely, isolated area up there, Buffalo, New York, um, and I'm going to go with the Bills. Hey, man, check it. I, get, I guarantee you, if I ask you to name me the last time the Buffalo Bills was even relevant, you're going to go back to the times where they went to four straight Super Bowls or whatever and took the L every one of the time. Like, that's a Buffalo Bills thing. Well, they've been in, in the abyss ever since, pretty much, and they still are. Look, Sean McDermott making this team r- relevant again, as far as I'm concerned, because usually Buffalo is the place you see in that annoying superstar that you got on your team, and you keep saying how good he is. Oh, I can do this. I can do that. You're like, all right, uh, keep on. I'm seeing you send your ass down to Buffalo. That's exactly what happens. That's what the coach did. I'm going to send you down to Buffalo. And then they, they, you know, they straighten, they act up and they're like, I'm cool, man. I ain't trying to go to Buffalo, freeze and lose and do all this other stuff and die, come back alive, you know what I'm saying, Game of Thrones stuff. So, but I, look, this team is relevant. They're giving the Patriots a run for their money. And now the Patriots just lost. So now they're still fighting for that division. When the last time the Patriots had to fight for the AFC East? Come on, man. Come on. Yo, put some respect on his name too. Shouts out to Bill and Sean McDermott. Put some, you know, put some respect on his name. But you can do, you could use respect with a C. He don't get the K. On the Russell Wilson get the K. So, <clears throat> yo, Sean McDermott, that's my guy. Six and two. And before I move it on, I wanna, I wanna illustrate. The dude ain't just been out here beating scrubs either. He ain't beating the Dolphins every week. He has beaten the Dolphins one week, but not every week. All right. So, I mean, he got wins over the Colts, the Panthers, the Lions, the Vikings. All right. Both teams in New York. He took care of them as a state. Let's come on, man. Like, he he deserves it. He deserves it. But, you know, I'm going to let yourself, you gentlemen, make your case about who you think should get it. But, you know, for me, it's Sean McDermott.
2: I'm going to go ahead and get my Sean McDermott point out of the way. I think he's got a, you make a compelling argument. I have no real problem with it. But I'm going to go ahead and let you know I'm a little bit biased against this man because I am never going to forget the time where he benched Tyrod Taylor for Nathan Peterman. I just can't get that out of my head. Hey, I can't let it
0: go. Hey, let me so, tell you something. Let me tell you what they tell you. Players mess up sometimes. It happens. All right? You and coaches up. and coaches too, apparently. <laughs> with both. Hey, look, that's a, that's a story
2: for another day. Hopefully we're never going to have to revisit it. But listen, yeah. I'm going with the man down in the bayou, Sean Payton, I look at what he's been able to do with the New Orleans Saints. You consider Drew Brees goes out week two. Teddy Bridgewater steps in, and they seemingly do not miss a beat. They go 5-0 in and oh and Drew Brees' absence. Check out some, you, mentioned, you mentioned some of the wins that the Buffalo Bills have been able to garner this year. Check out these wins with Teddy Bridgewater in the driver's seat. They go to Seattle and win in his first game. Then they come home and beat Dallas. And then you got Tampa Bay, Jacksonville, and Chicago. I think that's a pretty impressive list of teams. There's there's no there's no truly god awful teams on that list. I mean Tampa Bay. I mean they're uh Cody. You talked about them and the defense not being all that impressive, but I mean that the cupboard isn't fully bare out there. Bruce Arians has those guys competing and playing hard. And Jacksonville, and Chicago, we can't sleep on those teams with those stout defenses they have. So I just take all that in consideration. And seven and one to me, you can argue that the forty nines are the best team, but I. I would argue with Drew Brees coming back and with the New Orleans Saints playing defense the way they are. And when you look at the studs they have in the skill positions with the Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, I think the Saints are right up there as being the best team in football. And it's a wonder that they are considering the work they got out of Teddy Bridgewater.
1: Yeah, so my pick is going to be uh, Frank Reich from the Colts. Uh, they're sitting at 5-3, and three, they're second in the AFC South, very competitive still, chance to win the division. Uh, the Texans are right there with them, but they have a win over the Texans, so they're really close. Uh, they had that big win over the Chiefs on primetime football. They went out there uh, with Mahomes out there and all them dudes healthy, and they stuffed them in a locker. They shut down that offense, and I think that he's done really well because this is a team that was – Absolutely written off. I mean, they were written off as soon as Andrew Luck hung it up. They said, oh, these dudes are screwed. They're not going to be able to do anything. And uh, they had another big win over the Texans. And uh, simply there was just not supposed to be nearly this good. And he has taken Jacoby Brissett and made him into a very competent quarterback. And he's got a lot of good players on offense and defense and a lot of young players. You know, the the Colts have really begun this rebuild of the last couple of years and they have been putting a lot of draft picks out there and they have been turning those guys into really good players uh, instead of just, you know, signing a bunch of veterans and making a run for it. So I think that um, my pick would be Frank Wright. But again, McDermott doing some really good stuff in Buffalo. They're going to easily walk into a wild card spot and uh, Sean Payton, we know what Sean Payton can do. So Um, he definitely has had more challenges this year than years past. So, all right, guys, let's turn to the NBA where the Los Angeles Lakers are on a tear. After losing their opener to the Clippers, the Lakers have won six straight, including last night's win over the Bulls. LeBron James has racked up three consecutive triple doubles and is leading the league in assists. So, Drink, let's start with you. At this moment, are the Lakers the best team in the NBA? It's snow white. Is the rubber on your tires black?
0: Is a stop sign red? Hey, hey, you got a problem over there? Yeah, baby, you know what it is. You know they're the best team. Come on, don't. Hey, <laughs> I know you. I know it burned you up inside over there, Jay. To the hear this good, this hotness that I'm about to drop. But I'm about to drop this on. I'm gonna drop this on you like some hot cocoa in January, baby. Listen, please do. Me, please do. Look, let me tell you. Go get your. Go get your ones and snuggle up on this one. So, <laughs> look. Yeah, I mean, now, let me let me put this in context. I'm not saying the Lakers are the best because they beat the Bulls. That's not why. I mean, it's the Bulls. So I'm not saying that. But I would say, I do say that because what they did against the Bulls. And here's the deal. LeBron James had a triple-double. He was fantastic. He did king-like things. And Anthony Davis, I don't quite know what was happening. He quite... Don't look like he was feeling it, but, you know, things happen. I want to talk about this bench for a minute because one of the big things they said about the Lakers coming in is, oh, yeah, they got two of the top five players. We know what it is, but what that bench is going to do because they can't get good quality players on that bench because they didn't sold out for two players. Well, the Lakers seem like they did a I would say the best job they can do at that point once they didn't get Kawhi Leno, right? They went out. They scrambled. It was what it was. It was in a bad situation. That bench saved them last night. I watched it. That bench saved them. I thought not this early in in the season did I think I would look at the Lakers bench and say the bench saved them. Now, the Clippers, absolutely. Night after night after night. Um, You know, Milwaukee, uh, 76, something like that. Yeah. But I didn't think I was going to say that the Lakers. I, I solely thought if the Lakers won all their games, it will be because of their two stars and the bench chimed in. But, no, they that bench came to life, people. Listen to me. They came to life last night, all right? Kuzma came in. Kuzma had his best game since returning from an injury. He had his 15 points. It wasn't <clears throat> when you look at his numbers. He only shot seven for 16. Got it. One for eight from three-point. Got that. Doesn't look pretty. But what he did do was he made his baskets in timely moments. That's what made it good. When you, you go back and look at the tapes, you would see, like, in the fourth quarter, in the third quarter, LeBron was, you know, LeBron does what he does. He liked to pass the ball when it gets the hottest. Hey, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I got eyes. I do see it, even though I like him. He passed the ball to, to Kuzma in them hot moments, and Kuzma was making it happen. Um, Cook. Cook had a breakout game last night, 17 points. I know people, 17 points, that's breakout. Yes, for Quinn Cook, that's breakout. Everybody ain't LeBron James. Everybody ain't Kyrie Irving. Yes, that's breakout for Quinn Cook. I'm sorry to disappoint you. But he was six for nine, all right? Three for four from the three-point line. And he, once again, I want to make this, I want to make say this loud and clear. These baskets came at timely moments. That's what I liked about it the most was, not only was they scoring, but they were scoring when they needed the most. When Chicago looked like they was going to run off with the game in the fourth quarter, these guys came hot, up, hot off the bench. I had to look at the jersey twice and make sure it didn't say Clipper instead of Laker because that's how good they was coming off the bench. It was, it was crazy. Um, <clears throat> thus far, with that said, yes, I think they're the best thing smoking in the NBA. I put them up against anybody, right? even the Clippers. Even the Clippers again. I know what happened in, in the first game, but now the engine's getting warmed up. All right. We getting out of neutral. <laughs> we we about to start creeping in gears here soon, folks. And you help you ready for takeoff. All right. So and um one thing I want to hit on with LeBron and I'm not gonna hit on the bulls. Don't even worry about it. I ain't got my I ain't got no time for the bulls. Hey, thanks for showing up. Catch you next time. But one thing I want to hit on, on LeBron was LeBron, this last night was his third straight triple-double, right? And he's playing phenomenal. But what I don't like about what the Lakers are doing right now, (coughs) they have to find a way where LeBron and AD both coexist. Because what I've noticed thus far in this season is they have shown that they both can go off on any any given night, but they don't do it together. Every time one go off, when I look at the other stat line, it's like, what did you do? Just stand around, pass out flies for the next game? What did you do? I mean, just look at Anthony Davis' numbers from last night. Anthony Davis, like, come on, brother. You, a hey, top five guy. You're talent. What, what are you doing out here? What are you doing? You over here introducing the visiting team or what? I need you to come play. Come play, man. So, you know, I, I wish they, they need to jail that more. Um, They're two pieces away from being – the complete team, I would like them to be, but yeah, man, Lakers, you know, holding up the trophy. I'll let your boy. What you got? I don't think I don't think it's
2: as big as as big of a slam dunk as I, I think you're making it out to be. Yeah, I, I, I do agree. Listen, I do agree. They're awfully impressive right now. I didn't anticipate they would look this good this early. I thought we'd see a few more growing pains than we have. I will say this: the uh, this win streak. There's, there's some questionable teams on it. I don't think the strength of competition has been all that strong. When I look at the Charlotte Hornets, when I look at Memphis, when I look at Chicago, even Dallas and San Antonio, man, do we really know how good those teams are at this stage? So I, I take that into consideration. But listen, they do look awfully impressive. I'm I'm impressed with the depth that they seem to have. Uh, you mentioned Quinn Cook. You mentioned Kuzma. I think Kuzma is still working his way back into the form we haven't seen the best of him yet. The, the best of Kyle Kuzma is yet to come, and he's going to be he's going to be awfully important to these guys in terms of being that third guy that can get his own shot. I think that's really going to be important for them. And again, I I know we I know we can forget about this guy from time to time, but we still haven't seen Rajon Rondo, and I think he's going to be important to this team too in terms of taking some of the ball handling responsibilities off of the likes of LeBron James and being being another facilitator that they can lean upon to keep LeBron fresh for this 82-game grind plus the postseason. I still think when I look at the Clippers, they don't have Paul George yet, and they beat the Lakers on opening night. I'm not going to forget about that just yet. And then we look in the Eastern Conference. We look at what Philadelphia is doing. We look at what Boston's doing and what what Milwaukee's doing. All of these teams are, are quite impressive so far, but the Lakers are right in the conversation for best team. I, I'm not ready to, I, I'm, I need to see a little bit more before I want to anoint them as the best team, but like, gotta admit, they look really impressive. I think I think we gotta put a little bit of respect on Frank Vogel having these guys looking this good. They're and they're doing it on the defensive end as well. You look at some of these statistics: they're fourth in opponents' field goal percentage, they're fourth in opponents' points per game, tied for fourth in both of those categories. They're leading the league in blocks and they're fifth in steals. So. One of the questions I had coming in was you know we, with LeBron James and Anthony Davis we we feel like they're going to get a lot of points from those guys and we feel like LeBron's going to be able to create so many open opportunities for the likes of the Danny Green and Avery Bradley and even the Quinn Cook who was tremendous last night for these guys but we just I, I just looked at them and said will they be able to do it on defense? And they're doing it so far so got to give them credit for that again I think I'm not ready – I'm not going definitive Lakers as best team, but they're right there in the conversation at this juncture.
1: Yeah, they definitely look really good so far, guys. Um, I think another thing that you kind of mentioned too was LeBron James uh, averaging less minutes than he has during his career, a couple minutes less on average. And uh, at any given night, he's only getting about a little more than 30 minutes a game, which that's going to be important as managing – I know we're big into load management this season, but um, – LeBron don't really need that. He don't need entire games off, I don't think, but he is able to take a little more of a break since he's not the only dude now. He's got Anthony Davis to kind of pick up some of that slack for him. Uh, That that three-game triple-double stretch uh, was the first time since 1987, I believe, that's happened uh, when Magic Johnson did it for the Lakers. So on a three-game road trip, that's pretty impressive as well. And uh, a shout-out to um, Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard reclamation project is uh, that's come that's turned really well Uh, I don't think anyone expected the level of play Howard's getting uh, out of them and then if they get some good play out of Rondo and he's back in the lineup and works back in man they could be really good I think it's safe to say that um, the NBA championship is probably going through Los Angeles uh, one way or the other
2: oh I I definitely agree with that and I, I know you see me over here with the eye roll for the likes of Dwight Howard but I will say this about Dwight Howard in conjunction with JaVale McGee and Anthony Davis, and to a lesser extent LeBron James, they got some rim protectors back there, boy. I mean, you talk about getting to the lane and going up there with the tree trunks. It, it's tough. It's tough in the paint right now against these guys. You gotta. You might want to go out there and hit some perimeter shots. But then you consider what they got out there with the likes of Avery Bradley and Danny Green.
0: This is an impressive defensive team right now.
1: All right, fellas, Let's shift to opening night in college basketball, where we witnessed two blockbuster matchups last night in Madison Square Garden that featured two of the nation, or all four of the nation's top four teams in action. The Duke Blue Devils knocked off the Kansas Jayhawks in the opener, while the Kentucky Wildcats defeated the top-ranked Michigan State Spartans. So, Jay, I'll start with you. What development captured your attention the most from last night's games?
2: Well, there was a couple of them, and. I got a little good, I got bad news and good news and good news and bad news, which how do you say the phrase? And I'm going to start with the bad news because my Lord, the first game between the Kansas Jayhawks and the Duke Blue Devils. Speaking from the Kansas perspective, it was an atrocity. When I look at this team and what they were up to last night, 28 turnovers, four touchdowns worth of turnovers. That's what we're talking about here. They showed the graphic on the screen at one point telling the audience the most turnovers that Kansas ever had in the game was 30. And I, I, I'm surprised that they didn't reach. I'm surprised they didn't break the record last night. That's how bad they were. Listen, you can give me all this nonsense and all this good stuff about the Duke defense and how stout they are with Trey Jones up there top of the key. Anchoring that defense and how good he is as an on-ball defender. I, I I I tell you one thing. I'm so tired of Jay Billis telling me how good Trey Jones is on defense. I'm, I'm sick of it. And we we played one game this season, and I've already heard 10 soliloquies on how great Trey Jones is on the defensive end. Would you get a jump shot, please? But that's the story for another day. Back to Kansas. They were absolutely abysmal last night. You know Duke only had 11 steals? So that leaves 17 more turnovers. We saw shot clock violations. We saw a legal screen. We saw travels and walks and double drills. We saw everything under the sun except a backcourt violation. It was unbelievable. I cannot believe, and you can give me all the good sauce you want to about this being the first game and all that, and we got the rust out there and everything. Listen, I don't care how rusty you are. I could go out there in the court right now, and I wouldn't turn the ball over that much. I, it wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be the one turning the ball over six to seven times like some of these guys. It was embarrassing, and I look, I get it, this Duke, and we look, Duke's got some promise defensively. They look awful, and they look pretty impressive defending last night, but Kansas sure made them look better than they were. There's no way Kansas can be that bad, and listen, on a point, uh, to give Kansas a little credit last night, they completely outshot the Duke Blue Devils. When they weren't busy turning the ball over, they were getting good stuff. You look at these guys, Ozabuki and some of these boys with who, who was it? Devon Dotson getting 17 points on five and nine. O'Shea uh, Ugbaje getting 15 points on 6 of 10. They were getting efficient offense. They ended up shooting by 46% from the floor, 44% from three. They had a stretch to open the second half where they went seven minutes without a turnover. After 18 in the first half, they went seven minutes. It was a beautiful thing, beautiful basketball. They went on a 14-0 run at one point, and then sure enough, they just 10 more turnovers to close out the second half. I can't believe some of this stuff. I'm, I'm going to tell you this. Bill Self, we talked about this uh, many episodes ago, out here with the NCAA violations, the level one, five of them, I believe it was. You got all that stuff percolating in the background. You can't, your basketball team can't come out here and look this back. I mean, I'm surprised we didn't see, I'm surprised not see Bill Self pull a Bobby Knight last night and throw chairs all over the court with how awful his team was from a standpoint of protecting the basketball. It was an atrocity. But let me shift over to the good news, because that's not for the bad news. Let's move to something good. Because what I was looking for last night, I was looking for one I was looking for one guy similar to what Zion Williamson did for us last year. And and, and don't get me wrong, we I didn't see nothing on that level. There was not that much of a wild wow factor. But this kid, uh Tyrese Maxey for the Kentucky Wildcats, coming off the bench in 32 minutes of action, dropping 26 points on the heads of the Michigan State Spartans, it was something special, man, what he was able to do. Getting 15 of in the second of half. He was 7 for 12 from the floor. Hit three three three-pointers, including a big step back three. Just left at the top of the circle with a minute left that put the Wildcats up five points. After Cassius Winston had cut the lead to two points with a three-point play of his own, he was 9 for 10 from the free throw line. You know, this guy just turned 19 a couple days ago or something, something like that. They talked to him after the game. He was very impressive in an interview with Holly Rowe. I like this guy. This, I was looking for again. I was looking for a guy last night that had a wild wow factor to me because I'm a t- I didn't see any wild wow factor in that Kansas that Kansas Duke game. We talked about some of the guys for Duke. Listen, we know we know what Trey Jones can do for it. He's a fine player, but look, we talked about this before the show. We talked Trey Jones is back in college because he can't he ain't got a jump shot. If this guy had a jump shot, he'd be in the pros right now with the rest of them guys, with the Cam registers and the R.J. Barrett's of the world doing his thing. And Zion, even though he ain't played he ain't played a minute yet. But look, Tyrese Maxey, what he was able to do, how impressive he was as a 19-year-old. I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you the truth. He's six foot three, almost 200 pounds. He's he's a little bit bigger than De'Aaron Fox. But when I look at when I look at those two guys, he reminded me of De'Aaron Fox last night. He got some great explosion to him. I think his jump shots a little bit better than Fox's was at at the stage he was at with Kentucky. But, man, what what a performance last night, and what a player to watch moving forward. He, he ain't coming off the bench no more. Ain't no way he comes off the bench for John Calipari moving forward.
0: Turnovers. Turnovers. Got your turnovers. I got apple. I got lemon. I got blueberry. I got peach. And if you catch me during the summer, I might even have watermelon. That's what I thought about the first game. It was just turnovers after turnovers after turnovers, and they had them for sale. If the fans wanted them, God dog, they was giving it to them. Um, <clears throat> similar to what Jay said, right? What I look for in college basketball because college basketball lacks this is personality, star quality. Because the coaches control everything. The coaches make everything bland, and it's using a system and Coach K, you know, whatever. I was looking for some somebody. And just like Jay said, okay, I know I wasn't gonna get Zion Williamson. I knew I wasn't even gonna get RJ Barrett for that fact of the matter. But just something. Someone to make it interesting for me to be watching this college basketball game that go a third of the speed of an NBA basketball game. So can I get something, right? Um the player that drove me to the first game. Uh, Kentucky versus, uh, Duke. I mean, sorry. <clears throat> Kansas versus Duke, I'm sorry. What, the player that brought me to that game was the kid Vernon Carey. That, that's who I wanted to see. That, I thought that was gonna be the guy that took over the night, that gave me the wild factor, that made me say, man, how do Coach K just keep on getting these guys? These studs. And I kinda got left with, um yeah. So yeah. So to his point of Trey Jones, and now now Trey Jones was a, when you look at this game, it was two guys that as soon as you heard their name, if you watched any college basketball, you knew who they was. Trey Jones and Abuke. Like I, I know Abuke. His name is just hard for me to say, but I know who he is. I seen him play last year. I seen his, I seen what he contributed to Kansas with. So those are two names. That I looked at as alright, these should be the leaders of the team. For that fact of the matter, and, and Trey Jones, yes, he was a de facto leader, and just like Jay said, that's all they can do is hang their head on what he can do defensively. Cause let me tell you something. I got a Coke can over there that can hit more open J's than he can. So he 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 had to hang everything he did on D V now he had fifteen points, so I can't act like, you know, he was out there like Ray Charles or anything. He made five baskets. But for a guy of his magnitude, and for what he's asked to do on his team, you need better productivity. He is not a freshman. he's a sophomore. he was the number ten overall guy in his class. What is so hard? you got an, you got a uh, nBA caliber brother that that can shoot. What's the problem? Why are we not shooting? Coach K, what are you doing? I know you got on a team USA shirt up under that suit. How about you um in the challenge that? and get over there, and teach a point guard how to shoot. Because this ain't working in March Madness. Maybe February Madness. Maybe before Thanksgiving. But this ain't working in March Madness. So, you're going to have to step that up, Trey Jones. Now, in a bouquet, he only came in for eight points, but he's a center. So, let's be real here. It's very rare that you see an offense uh, based around the center. So, he did what he did. Kansas, like, really? Look, Jay said this earlier, and I'm I might be stealing his thunder, but, yo, NCAA need to look into playing some preseason games or something to help these kids out. You cannot wake them up and expect them to roll out of the bed and give a ESPN primetime slot worthy game. Like, that was terrible. That should have been on ESPN Plus, the out, not ESPN. That was terrible. and was going to turn over. Like, you you got to give these guys a little help. Give them a preseason One two games something give them a little help man, Kentucky and Michigan State that game um, that game didn't quite turn out the way I thought it would I'm not gonna lie I thought Michigan was um, between Michigan and Kansas one of the two Michigan State and Kansas I'm sorry Michigan State and Kansas I thought they would be the more veteran teams so I thought the veterans was gonna kind of corral the will of these young freshmen. That didn't quite happen. I don't think Cassius Winston, he had a good game. I don't know, you know, if he brought enough for them to win, but he had a good game. But, hey, like he said, Tyrese Maxson, oh, baby. Oh, let me tell you something. First of all, the only reason I like the fact that the guy went off because he didn't start the game. Like, I, I love when the guy is not even a starter and then he comes in and I tell you, he just lets you know, I am the truth. With the young sauce on it, let me get two of them, please. Yo, and th- that's what he did. That's exactly what he did. He came out the bench, and he said, hey, <laughs> let me tell you something, Coach Cal. I told you, when you came recruiting me, I told you, baby, I was ready. Now get me in this starting lineup. or it's, We're going to have some furniture moving around here. So he came in. The guy was spectacular. He was the one stud that Jay said, you looking for somebody to take the game up to the night? That was him. He was the guy. He was the guy that carried the whole night. The whole night was on his back. You don't get that performance, you talk about how much time you waste out of your life that you'll never get back. That's what you say about these games, if you don't get that performance that, that night. So I'm with Jay on that. Hey, that guy's definitely stud. All right, and one more other thing I want to talk about. This morning, I pulled up a way too early NBA draft board. And old Max Adele, number four overall. Probably never heard of the dude before last night. And all of a sudden, now he's number four overall on the draft board. So that's something interesting. They already started their shenanigans over there at ESPN. But they neither here nor there. That's, that was my takeaways from the games last night.
1: It was really interesting, uh, this this thing they did with the one versus five. Uh, one versus two and three versus four, I kind of wish college football, like we talked about before the show, would get on this and kind of come up with something more like this. I mean, uh, it was a lot of fun to see the top teams in action, but you are right. It was a sloppy uh, two games, especially in the uh, Duke game. Uh, A couple of little takeaways I had was uh, Duke does seem like a very different team this year uh, in terms of the last several years. It's basically been here's a couple stars and some cobbled-together parts we found laying around go win the game. Uh, Coach K's got work out for him this year. He's got a lot of talent, but it ain't just going to be two or three dudes just flying around doing whatever they feel like and jumping out of the gym over people. Uh, they went nine deep last night, and nine players getting significant minutes. So they've got a lot of guys to kind of sort through, and I think that they're going to probably uh, – they got the win last night, but that was considering Kansas turning the ball over every way besides on downs. So I think that uh, if Kansas wouldn't have been doing that, that would have probably been um, – Duke probably wouldn't have won that game. So they're going to have the work cut out for him. I think Coach K is going to have to really earn his, uh, earn that paycheck this year. Um, with that. And, you know, Kansas, like you said, man, they looked really good. They were, they were dominant. They come out of that second half and I was like, Oh boy, here we go. Here it is. 14-0 run. And then they just, I don't know. They just went, they just like a switch flip and they went right back to doing what they were doing. And, uh, but they, they seem like they got a whole lot of talent too. Again, just trying to figure it out. And, uh, yeah, like I said with Maxi, man, just, they were, uh, they were. That guy in the second half, he was not only, you know, the on, on the court performance and the numbers were great, but he was fearless. I mean, that man was fearless. He was launching them wherever he wanted, and they, uh, you know, he looked, he looked calm, he looked in control. And for for, you know, a guy his age and his stature and this early on to go into Madison Square Garden and just come out there against number one team and control it. And bury the big. Uh, why not be in the game winner or the game sealer for him? That's going to be fun because this is a year where there's not a lot of superstars. You, know, you got a lot of a lot of teams that are real good, but there's not not comed dudes that are jumping out at you. I think he could be one to watch going down the road.
2: Yeah, and and to that point, when you look at a guy like Tyrese Maxey, who perhaps could be the face of the season, because I think coming in, I think coming into the season. We would look at, at a, in the preseason, maybe look at a guy like Cassius Winston as being a marquee like star that we're looking to, especially with the Spartans being preseason number one. But we, I look at Cassius Winston, and this is no knock on Cassius Winston. I think he's a great player. But he doesn't really, he doesn't really have that wow factor for me that I was mentioning in terms of what Tyler Max, uh, Tyrese Maxis showed me last night. Winston, Winston doesn't wow you with athleticism. He just runs the team effectively. He, I think he's got that clutch factor. He can create. He can create for his teammates. He can get his own shot. There's just nothing really when you look at him. It's almost like to a lesser degree, he's almost he's got a lot of fundamental a, a fundamental in him. Perhaps like a like Tim Duncan, different positional skill set, but they just they quiet guys. They just go out there and do their job. They play well but you just look at him throughout the game and there's just nothing that you're, that just, I I never looked at Tim Duncan as a guy as must see TV, even as great as he was. And I kind of feel the same way with Cassius Winston, even though he's a great player, but Tyrese Maxey, when I look at him last night and what he was able to do, Oh, you best believe I'm going to be watching a lot of Kentucky games this year because this guy's something special. And I want to see how he's going to progress throughout the season that's an interesting point you brought up with ESPN. It's amazing how one game can automatically throw this kid into next year's draft projections, even though I think, I think ESPN, the graphic read he was 13th, 13th in the ESPN top 100. So it's not like he was a guy coming from nowhere. He's a solid recruit coming out of, coming out of high school. But, man, to, to put up that kind of performance on that stage, man, what a, what a beautiful thing to watch. A couple more points. I, can't, I, think I, I think I told you this earlier, Drake. I took my takeaways from each game, even though Michigan State lost. I looked at Michigan State and Kentucky as two teams that can win the title. I think both of these teams are, are excellent. I think Michigan State, Winston didn't get a whole lot of help last night. Nobody else scored double figures. But when I look at some guys like Aaron Henry and Xavier Tillman, they got some guys, and I got to believe Tom Izzo is, is that great of a coach, with a star on his team with Cassius Winston leading the way, that Michigan State is going to be a threat come, uh, come February and come March. So I look at, even in defeat, I look at Michigan State. I hold them in high regard. Kentucky, obviously, they they number two coming in. And you look at the youngster coming off the bench, so you best believe you could be in the start lineup uh, throughout the rest of the year. Ain't no excuse for that. I like Kentucky this season. I'm not so high on Duke, even in the winning effort. I'm going to tell you this right now. This, this Trey Jones, if he's your best player, you can forget about it. You ain't winning the title with Trey Jones, your best player. I'm sorry. I'm gonna need one of these, I'm gonna need one of these freshmen, whether it be burn Carey, who in his, with his three for eight, what he was able to do, stepping out, hitting a three, got some post moves down there. It's gonna be half, it's gonna be half, it's gonna have to be him. It's gonna have to be a guy like Cassius Stanley, who got the break and got a, on a fast break, showing athleticism. It's got, it might have to be Matthew Hurt for all I know without launching all them shots that he was his inefficient self in his first collegiate game. It's going, it, it can't be Trey Jones. I'm sorry. It just can't be for Duke to win the title. I'm a little bit more high on Kansas. They got some, they got veterans on that team. Like you mentioned, Ozabuki. I got to believe he's going to get hit, They're going to get him to make it a point to get the ball to him more instead of throwing it out of bounds repeatedly as they were last night. I think they get it together as they move forward. They, they, and quite honestly, they have to, because this ain't no way. You can't, you cannot be that bad. It, just if they protected the ball with any degree of regularity, they win that game. They, they turn
0: the ball over 28 times
2: and lose by two points. Incredible.
1: Oh boy, it's time for what y'all have all been waiting for. The initial college football playoff rankings were released last night. The top four were Ohio State, LSU and Alabama, with Penn State coming in at number four. The defending champion Clemson Tigers were pushed down to five, with Georgia coming in at six. The Pac-12 brings up seventh and eighth with Oregon and Utah, respectively. And Utah, or Oklahoma, and Florida are going to round out your top ten. This leaves three Power Five conferences on the outside looking in right now. So we'll start with you, Drink. Did the committee get it right?
0: Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, I think for the most part, committee got it right. Everybody's gonna have their gripes. We all got fan bases. Whatever, whatever. The, the only legitimate gripe, right, I would say, if I was the committee, that I would probably look at is it, the four and five. Um, you can go either way with it. A lot of people thought Clemson would would be there instead of Penn State. But let's be real here. If you go if you look at the stats, you look at the resumes, Penn State earned the right to be there for this poll. It's you gotta understand it's a week to week thing. This is um what they call a forever living document until like sometime in December, right before bowl season, then that's the one that really matters. So everybody gotta pump their brakes. Okay, yes, they're not in the playoffs in the first week. Whoop de do. Guess what? They still got like five games they gotta play. We it will be fine. Let's not lose any sleepover. But here's the deal. when, What the committee did do and what we did get is we got an answer, right? Our, answer was, our question was, how would the committee look at the teams? Will we go A, will we go for the eye test, which team looks the best? Or will we go B, will we go with the resume? This team played this team. This was the result. So on and so forth. Well, the committee spoke loud and clear. They went with the eye test for the most part. Now, is it consistent throughout the whole ranking? It's not. But let's be honest here. Do we care that it's consistent between 15 and 17? No. We're talking about 1 through 4. That's what we're here for. We'll talk about 5 and 6 as well, but 1 through 4 is what we're here for. So I don't give a crap what they did with rankings 21 through 24. It is what it is. 21 through 25 down there, Young Navy and SMU. Good luck. I don't really care if you got screwed over. Now, nah. with that said, in this initial rankings, like I said, we got two Big Ten. We got two SEC. That's not going to live forever, folks. Calm down. These teams got to play each other. I mean, you're getting a bone burning this weekend. That's all you need to be worried about. You're getting number two LSU versus Alabama. But I ain't going to jump into that. I ain't going to jump into that too much. That's something we're going to talk about on Friday. But here's the deal. What I did want to talk about is this. So, <clears throat> One of the running themes since the college football playoffs been started is, is the third spot. Since the inaugural um, conception of the playoffs, for some reason, that number three spot is what they call a cursed spot. No team that started in the initial rankings at number three has made it to the playoffs. That team has eventually found its way outside of the top four. Don't ask me why. I don't have the rhyme. I don't have the rhythm. But that's just something to look at. Can Alabama break break that trend this year? And basically they can. They only need to win two games to actually break that trend. Let's see if they can. We'll we'll see. Um, but no. That fourth and five, you could talk about that a little bit. Georgia at six, whatever. Um, I don't really got a problem with that right now. Um the, I think the Pac twelve teams, when you talk about Oregon and Utah at six, uh, seven and eight, they're ranked appropriately. Oklahoma All right. So they ruffle a little feathers that they're down there. But, you know, it is what it is. You lost to that Kansas State team. Now, I think it's a bad loss. Evidently, the committee, though, says, hey, drink. We agree with you. But that team is so good. They're also in the rankings. So we got them over here at 16. So if that is the case, I got to know, was it a bad loss or not? Is it that? You had them favored by so many points and they end up losing the game, or you gotta help me out, committed, because you can't. This team can't go from unranked to sixteen, but then you try to tell me that was a bad loss for home. That could be a sin of a conversation. But with all that said, I do not have a problem with the rankings as of now. I think they're according to they're they're according to what we've been seeing thus far. And let's be honest here: if these rankings was right, they wouldn't give us nothing to talk about. So now we got something to talk about.
2: Yeah, I don't see anything overly egregious in the top 10. I think for the most part, committee did a good job with these rankings. I do like Ohio State number one. And the point, the point you make in terms of eye test versus resume is a good one because I think LSU does have a bit of an edge in terms of resume. When you look at what they did beating Texas, the top 10 team at the time, even though we understand they've fallen off a bit, they got impressive wins over the likes of they beat Florida and I'm i I'm skipping out on the other the other team Texas they beat. and Auburn. Auburn. Auburn, right. Yep, Florida and Auburn. So they've got some impressive wins on their resume. The th- the thing I think gives Ohio State the edge over LSU and Alabama is we look at all three of these teams and we recognize how dynamic and explosive they can be offensively. What well, we gotta pay attention to, and the reason I think Ohio State is ranked number one at this at this juncture. Is Ohio State is by and large the best team in college football in terms of what they can do offensively and defensively. And that's the thing that I think is holding LSU and Alabama back. And it, it's, it's interesting because typically LSU and Alabama, they hang their hats on, on the defensive end and it's not so much this year. But I think that's the reason Ohio State's ranked number one. I like, I, I would have Alabama second, LSU third, but I, I don't think it's, I think LSU, I think they're deserving of the number two spot. Four and five, I, I think there is a slight issue there, even though it will be resolved once LSU and Bama beat up on each other. And then we'll Penn State and Ohio State, they're going to meet down the road. So Clemson at five, it's just a principle of the matter. When you look at Ohio State getting the edge based on eye test, I'm not convinced that Penn State is a more impressive team than Clemson. I know, I think this is, I think Clemson is taken, is being punished and it's not their fault for the ACC just being a complete mess right now. I mean, we look at the other side of the ACC and the Coastal. We don't know what's going on over there. We don't know if it's going to be Virginia. I I would like to think it's going to be the Virginia Cavaliers, but we don't know that. They flop around, lose to Miami one weekend, then come back and just smoke check Duke. We don't know what's going on in the ACC Coastal. So we'll see what happens over there. Clemson, though, I look at what they've been able to do in recent weeks in the past three games. I'm not including Wofford. As far as I'm concerned, Clemson had a bye week, just like the rest of the top five did. Last weekend, but Clemson, some of their, their conference wins recently—they beat up on Florida State, Louisville. There's one more team in the mix that I'm that I'm forgetting at this moment in time. But look, my Boston point College. is 59-9. Boston College. Okay, well, my point is they've looked awfully impressive the, since they uh, since their close call against North Carolina. I think that's another reason that the committee is holding them down <laughs> a little bit lower than I think they should be. But Clemson's looked very impressive lately. They didn't look all that great, especially offensively early on in the season, particularly against Texas A&M and North Carolina. But they've looked they look dominant the past several weeks. And my eye test in the past for the past month or so tells me that Clemson is the second best team behind Ohio State, just by the eye test. I'm not saying resume because I don't think they're deserving. I don't think they deserve to be up there above LSU and Alabama. But I, I I do question them being below Penn State, but again, it'll all work itself out. Depending on how Penn State, Ohio State, and LSU and Alabama play each other, Clemson they take care of business. They're gonna be in the top four, no questions asked. You mentioned you mentioned Oregon, you mentioned Utah, and Oklahoma, and Georgia. You, we look at those uh, we look at those one loss teams, and they're giving Georgia the edge. I like that, even though the loss to South Carolina it wasn't a good one. Although we do have to take into consideration that when you lose a game based on a missed kick, we've got to think maybe the committee had some, took, took a little bit of that in consideration. They do have good wins against Notre Dame, and then they just beat Florida this weekend. They look very impressive despite the close score. I look at a team like Oklahoma, I, w- I would take them over Oregon and Utah, and it's because based on what I see with my eyes. I think, when you, I think if you line Oklahoma and Oregon, or Oklahoma Utah. I think I'd take Oklahoma in that game. I would take Jalen Hurts and Lincoln Riley over Justin Herbert and Crystal Ball and whoever Utah's got with Whittingham whatever that whoever that quarterback is. I would take Oklahoma. I would. But I don't have a huge gripe right because especially with Oregon, I think Oregon's they're well they're well deserved to be above above Oklahoma because their one loss was in week 1 against auburn who had, who is who but well, they're 11th in these rankings right now. They're the best or the second best two-loss team in these rankings. And Oregon's they're, they're well-deserved to be in these rankings. I think at this point they're the best team in the Pac-12. Utah has Utah's, Utah's been impressive outside of their loss to uh, Southern California. So it's not like these teams aren't, aren't deserving of being in the top 10. It's, it, I'm splitting hairs a little bit to some degree. I just like Oklahoma a little bit more than the committee was. There's nothing wrong with that. The biggest gripe I do have is we have two undefeated teams outside the top 10 in the Big 12 and the Big 10, respectively. I look at Minnesota being at 17th. I look at Baylor being at 12th. You can't tell me. You can, the committee There is no explanation that Rob Mullins and his default beginning to every question from Reese Davis. Well, we got two outstanding teams here, and we look at them. And you can't tell me that Baylor is five spots better than Minnesota. All you have to do is look at the non-conference schedule for both of those teams, and you talk about cupcakes. You know Baylor played Rice. You know Rice ain't won a game all year. They 0-9 in whatever conference they are. 0-9. You got bags of Rice in my closet right now that have just as many wins as the Rice Owls, but yet Baylor's number 12 and Minnesota's 17. Uh, Again, I go back to the eye test. Minnesota, the past four weeks, they've been awfully impressive. They've been blowing people out. Not a bunch of – look, the the resume ain't all that great. Go ahead,
0: Drink. I was just going to say, hey, man, rice do come in different grades, all right? So some rice is better than other rice. You I mean? You just come lumping all rice in as the same, man.
2: Well, listen, I'll tell you this much. At this stage of the game, Uncle Ben would beat the Rice Owls. That's where we're at. So – but again – Listen, you, you make a great point about we're here for the top four and we're here for the top six because those are the teams that are really in the conversation right now. I, I, Minnesota and Baylor, they're undefeated. I give them a lot of credit for that, but they have work to be done, and they have opportunities coming up. Minnesota's got Penn State. They also got Wisconsin. If they take care of business out, especially with Wisconsin, because that's within their division in the Big Ten, they'll have a chance in the Big Ten title game. And we'll see what happens from there. And Baylor is also going to look if they win, if they continue their winning ways and they can get by Oklahoma. We don't know what's going to happen with Baylor. But listen, outside of there being such a discrepancy between the Baylor Bears and the Minnesota Golden Gophers. I don't have too I don't have too big of an issue outside of that.
1: Yeah, my only issue, of course, was the Penn State Clemson thing. And I'll say that the the committee has a history. When they do these first rankings every year, we have to remember they got to give people something to talk about. And, and a lot of times what we'll see is they'll take a team like Clemson and they'll put them at five because it's a big headline maker. Oh, Clemson disrespected, moved down to five. I think it's disrespectful to Clemson. I think They've been disrespected all year. They fell asleep one game against UNC, and we pretend that they haven't uh, – they didn't win the national championship last year, and they're still quarterback by these guys. But I said my piece about that last week. Uh I, I think they obviously, like you all said, Clemson wins, they're in. It's not – too big of a deal. I think some of the other nuggets you take from the first college football playoff rankings is what the committee's thinking. You get, you get a little bit of an insight into their thought process and although you got that silly dude up there on TV t- trying to explain it, he don't really do a good job. You have to kind of read between the lines. One thing that we noticed is Ohio State Over LSU is important because it tells us that they are looking for total resume over the biggest wins. LSU has the bigger wins. They have Texas, Florida, and Auburn, all top 10 teams at the time. Two of those teams are still on this list at number 10 and number 11. Ohio State doesn't have that, but what Ohio State has is a more complete schedule with teams like Cincinnati, uh, Indiana. I think has like seven wins. I mean, they have some good quality wins, and every week they've been more consistent. LSU, outside of their three big teams, they had a lot of a lot of riffraff in, out there. Their non-conference schedule is not very good at all, and some of the SEC teams they played to this point outside their big games have been kind of duds. So I think that uh, we got a little bit of an insight there, and then I finally would lead off with saying that we also get a little bit of an insight, like Drink mentioned. Hey, Kansas State at 16, that, that could be important. That's going to help Oklahoma out later on because Kansas State rocketed through the ranks. Uh, you got teams like Wake Forest. We look at Wake Forest at 19. They have one loss. They've looked really dominant in a in a conference that doesn't have a lot of domination. And they got Clemson coming up still. So if Clemson can get a win over Wake Forest, maybe they're hey maybe they're 14th or 13th by the time this uh, when they play in a couple weeks. And that could be a big resume booster for Clemson. I don't know if they're going to need it unless they lose but it could be. And uh, I finally think Oregon at seven tells us that we're also looking at non-conference schedules. Of course, Oregon played out Auburn the first week of the season and uh, played a close game. And the committee is wanting to go out and they're wanting to reward that. I think that's why Oregon is sitting above Utah and above Oklahoma right now because of that non-conference um, game. They went out in week one and they're going to get a lot of slack for losing week one uh, on a neutral site against a team that they didn't have to go play. There's no reason they had to go play Auburn. But they did. So, yeah, I think they got it wrong with uh, Penn State and, and Clemson. But that's going to work itself out pretty soon. And also, uh, we saw about Minnesota getting disrespected a little bit. But they've got all the ammo in the world this weekend to go out, beat Penn State and change that narrative in a hurry. All right, guys, it's time to finish off with rapid reaction. A lot of topics and a little bit of time. We'll start with you, Drink. All right.
0: The Minnesota Golden Gophers have extended football coach P.J. Flick until 2026. Well-deserved?
2: Absolutely. They 8-0 for the first time since 1941, I believe. They're 17th in the rankings. Hey, keep winning. You'll be even further up there. I hope so, at least. Atlanta Hawks forward John Collins has been suspended 25 games for PED use. What's your thoughts on that?
1: I
0: don't understand what these cats doing. I I, I guarantee you, there's got to be something similar to what DeAndre Aiden had. I guess they're around some bonfire. You think we can get away with this? Yeah, man, why not, man? Like, it's ridiculous. They need to get it together. And the Hawks really can use John Collins at that fact, too. So, yeah, you know, you got to be smarter than that. Slugger J.D. Martinez has decided not to opt out of his contract with the Boston Red Sox. Are you even surprised about this? Actually,
2: somewhat, somewhat I'm surprised considering how great he is as a designated hitter. I, I would think he could make a little bit money back on the open market, but he won a World Series with the Red Sox last year. Maybe he really likes that situation. I, I was a little surprised. as yes, I was. Carolina Panthers have placed quarterback Cam Newton on injury reserve as he continues to work his way back from his foot injury. Will we see him in a Panther uniform again?
0: I don't think so. Unless this uh Kyle Allen comes in here and just falls off the face of the earth, I really doubt we see cam noon in the uniform again i think we're we're more likely to see him get traded before we see him play for the carolina panthers again poorly Blazers for zach collins will miss the next four months after having a after having shoulder surgery big loss it's a big
2: loss in terms of the stature i don't know if it's a big loss as, as far as his talent but it is somewhat significant because he's a big body in there for form former gonzaga former uh, play for gonzaga in college He's been up and coming a little bit, still trying to come into his own. So it's a setback for the Blazers because they're 3-4 and four right now, not what we expected. Chargers owner Dean Spanos shot down reports that his franchise could move to London. What do you make of this?
0: I think, see, it sounds as if he he put it out there to see what people thought about it, and then they was like, dude, this ain't basketball. You can't just have a team over there and expect us to respect them and when they over there in London, like, what are you talking about? And then he said, oh, no, I didn't say that, guys. I was – I don't know what that was. I was hacked. I was hacked. So, I oh, don't know, man. He just needs to sit down and leave that one alone. Kawhi Leonard would miss his second game of the season tonight due to low management. <laughs> I'm guessing you don't like this. Oh, you
2: know I don't like it. This is going to be the eighth game of the season, and we already taking a nap the second game of the season. Look – Against the Milwaukee Bucks, we could have the Finals MVP from last year versus the regular season MVP. Come on, man, play. Let's play. Rutgers is reportedly attempting to bring back Greg Ciano to coach the football
0: team. Is that a wise choice? Uh, I don't think it really matters in that football program. But hey, if you can get Greg, Greg Ciano back, hey, more power to you. But your football program is terrible. When asked how the Browns should proceed in the final eight games, quarterback. Baker Mayfield responded by saying, just stay the course. You agree with that? No, they're two and six. You stay the
2: course, you'll be four and 12. No. Last one, the Heat and Suns meet in the desert tomorrow night. Both are surprising five and two. Who you got, Drink?
0: I got the Heat. Um, I don't know what this stuff the Suns got going on, but it can't be lasting no much longer. Um, Yeah, I'm
1: taking the Heat in this one. <laughs> All right. That concludes today's Drink of Wisdom. I'm Cody Ward. I'm Jay Wise. And I'm Nathan drinking. and remember,
0: make tomorrow better than today, make today better than yesterday. I'll let you into next time.